This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher, Jeremy Myers. This is episode number 88, and we're looking at Jonah 3 9. After today, just one more verse in Jonah chapter 3, and then we'll move into Jonah chapter 4. Today we're trying to answer the question, what is repentance? How do we repent? And, based on what the text says, does God ever need to repent? It's uh, these questions we're looking at uh, from Jonah 3.9, because the king of Nineveh expresses his hope that God will repent and not bring upon them the destruction that Jonah had warned him about. Now, uh, if you want to learn more about repentance and uh, the passages in the Bible that refer to it, other than Jonah 3.9, I invite you to sign up for my online course, The Gospel Dictionary. It sounds like a boring course, a dictionary, yeah, but we're looking at 52 keywords of the gospel. Super exciting. People who are taking the course love it. Uh, We provide a definition of keywords, and then we look at several biblical passages which talk about that word. All right, and uh, so one of these words is going to be repentance. Uh, the The most recent lesson I taught, though, was on election, and we're going alphabetically, and so... You know your alphabet. I'm in the E's and R is still a long ways away. So uh, the lesson on repentance is not up yet. I haven't taught it yet, but I will. And uh, you can get started by taking, uh, signing up for the, the course, the Gospel Dictionary, and then learn along with me as I put up new lessons. Okay, so uh, that, that is coming. It's not there yet. But uh, you can get started by going to redeeminggod.com slash join learn more about the online discipleship group that I have there and how you can take the online courses such as the Gospel Dictionary. Okay? And you can see what course is available by going to redeeminggod.com slash courses. All right. So with that in mind, and uh, I can't wait to see you inside the discipleship area, let's turn to our study of Jonah chapter 3, verse 9. Now, I sometimes wonder, in uh, as I was reading this and preparing this, if Dr. Seuss had Jonah in mind, the story of Jonah, when he wrote his book, Horton Hears a Who. Did you ever read that book? I guess they made a movie about it a while back. But uh, in the story, there's an elephant named Horton, and because of his big ears, he discovers that there's this little speck of dust, which he carries around on sort of this little puff flower. Anyway, this little speck of dust turns out to be a whole city filled with people. And um, Horton tries to tell other animals about it. They think he's crazy. Finally, this kangaroo decides to put an end to Horton's silliness. It's a nonsense game, the the, uh, kangaroo says. And so he's going to take this flower that Horton is protecting that has this little speck of dust on it. And the kangaroo's going to boil the speck of dust in in, uh, bezel nut oil. (laughs) That's what Dr. Seuss calls it, bezel nut oil. Uh, what is that? It's nonsense stuff that, that Dr. Seuss comes up with. But Horton warns the town. He yells at them. You know, they can hear him and he can hear them, but nobody else can can uh, hear the, the town. He warns them and says, you know, the, they're going to try to kill you. Stop. You know, the everybody shout. And so the mayor goes around, the mayor of the town goes around and tries to get everybody to shout and bang on pots and pans and clamor and hoot and holler and all these sorts of things. 
to save their lives so that hopefully hopefully the kangaroo and the other animals can hear that they really are alive and they're there. Uh, the noise isn't quite enough, though, until finally the mayor finds one little boy, uh, you know, up in his house who is playing yo-yo. Uh, Jojo is playing yo-yo, something like that. And uh, the mayor's like, come on, you got to shout, you got to yell. And so uh, finally the boy yells out, you know, lets out a yop. And uh, the town is heard by the kangaroo, who then resolves to not boil the city after all, but protect it instead, along with Horton. <laughs> okay, so uh, anyway, it's sort of similar <laughs> to what we're reading about here in Jonah chapter 3. Uh, Jonah came and uh, said, God's going to destroy you. And so the king of Nineveh, like, sort of like the mayor, calls upon the people of Nineveh to repent from the evil and the violence they were committing. And everybody cry out to God. He even gets the animals, the smallest animals in town, in uh, the city, to cry out, to participate. From the greatest to the least, everyone is supposed to fast and wear sackcloth and repent of their evil, stop engaging in violence and cry out to God. Uh, and so, in, in, and we looked at that uh, in last week's episode. In Jonah 3, 9, then, the verse we're looking at today, which is the final verse that um, of the king's message, decree, the king shares his hope that if all the people and animals repent of their evil, then maybe God himself will repent as well and not bring destruction upon the city. Now, I do want to address the issue of repentance and whether or not God can repent. All right, but um, which we will also sort of discuss next week when we look at verse 10. But uh, for now, let's just look at a few key points from Jonah 3, 9. All right, first, uh, the statement by the king, I want you to notice, is very, very similar to the prayer of the captain in Jonah 1, 6, captain of the ship that almost went down, uh, 1, 6 and 1, 14, because Jonah was on board. Remember the storm? And uh, so uh, the, 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 the captain utters a prayer there, and it's very similar to the prayer of the king here in 3.9. And I think this is on purpose by the author of Jonah. We're supposed to compare the two prayers of the captain and the king, and uh, in so doing, see what each person thought about God based on what Jonah has said and done. Remember, one of the key questions in the book of Jonah is, what is God like? And we can see what Jonah thinks about God, and also what Jonah tells the captain and the sailors on the ship about God, and also what uh, the king of Nineveh thinks about God, and sort of learn some things from that. All right? So, uh, just as with the sailors on the boat, the evidence here in, in Jonah chapter 3 reveals that Jonah provided no details whatsoever about God to the people of Nineveh. All right? Jonah... He taught the sailors more than he told the people of Nineveh. Of course, as we saw there, what Jonah taught the sailors actually was incorrect, and Jonah knew it. He taught them some terrible, terrible theology about God. But here in Nineveh, Jonah teaches them nothing. Okay, He just says, God's going to destroy you. Period. That's it. He tells them nothing about God. He doesn't even give, he doesn't even give them God's name. Back in Jonah 1, he at least told them God's name, that it was Yahweh. He's the one who's going to destroy you. Here, no. He uses the word Elohim, okay? And that's all that they know. This uh, supreme ruler, God, uh, he is uh, its sort of the generic word for all-powerful deity, Elohim, the greatest God of all, sort of what it means. He's the one who's going to destroy you. And that's all that Jonah tells them, okay? So uh, here, he's, he's giving them even less than what he gave the sailors. Now, furthermore, just as with the sailors on the boat, um, 
that the king reveals, uh, the king's words reveal that Jonah didn't share anything with the people of Nineveh about the nature and character of God, not just his name, but about his nature and character. All right, most people, what do, what do most people think about God? Well, if you ask the average person, in fact, maybe you yourself uh, think this, most people believe that God is angry at them, that God is angry at sinners, and he just, he wants to crush us because he's so angry, wants to squash us like a bug, all right? And uh, Jonah's minimal message to the people of Nineveh did not give them any way, any other way of thinking about God. So apparently from the king's words here in verse 9, the king thought that God, Elohim, Yahweh, which again, he doesn't know his name is Yahweh, but the God of Jonah, uh, the God of Israel is just like their gods. Dagon, Ishtar, all these other false uh, pagan deities that they worshipped. Okay? Uh, they, they assume that God is angry, wants to kill them and judge them and destroy them. And that's sort of, we'll see later, that sort of is what Jonah told them. Uh, sort of. Again, we'll talk about that later. We're going to sort of go back and take a second look at Jonah's message later, but uh, maybe next week. The fact of the matter, just sort of spoil the story a little bit, God is not angry. Uh, he's not angry at you, and God was not angry at the people of Nineveh. All right? And, and quite to the contrary, he loved them, loves you, loves all people, and he wanted to rescue and deliver Nineveh from destruction. He did not want Nineveh to be destroyed, which is why he sent Jonah to them in the first place. Anyway, that's getting ahead of the story. Well, we, we will look at that and discuss all of that a lot more in Jonah chapter 4. Um, the only really other thing to note from here in verse 9 is, and I sort of hinted at this last week, just another contrast between the king and Jonah um, that we're supposed to notice. Jonah's message was minimal, remember, but the only thing he held forth was doom, right? 40 more days and you're going to be destroyed. But the king's message is not only longer, but it also holds forth hope. All right? The king is saying, you know, maybe, hopefully, people, let's really make an effort here, cry out to God, do everything we can. We're even going to get the animals involved and maybe, hopefully, if we repent, then God himself will repent and not bring judgment and destruction upon us. All right? So the king holds forth hope so in that sense, he knows God. Well, Jonah knew this as well, which maybe that's why he didn't share this, this uh, truth with the people of Nineveh, because he was hoping they wouldn't repent. But again, it's getting ahead of the story. I can hardly stop. Um, we'll, we'll talk a lot about this a lot more when, when God and Jonah have a little conversation in Jonah chapter 4. So uh, anyway, that's verse 9. Now verse 9, though, it does return us to two of the central questions in the book. Last week, uh, we sort of looked at one of the other central questions about uh, what is evil. And remember, evil is violence. Okay, we're seeing that. Um, but verse 9 focuses, our, and by the way, we will readdress that question next week in verse 10. All right, where uh, God repents from the evil. He What? God repents from evil? Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I got to stop. Verse 9. Uh, verse 9 addresses two more of the key questions in the book of Jonah. Uh, what is God like and what is repentance? All right, what is God like and what is repentance? So let's, let's briefly consider both. First, uh, what is God like? Once again, if you're asked the average person on the street, what is God like? Even the average Christian, you know, he's angry. He wants to kill people, kill sinners. Uh, most people think God is angry at sinners, wants to destroy them. 
you know, and maybe if we repent, then he will relent and uh, spare our lives. And the king presents that view of God. Remember, Jonah didn't tell him any differently. Jonah knows differently, but Jonah doesn't tell him differently. So the king's words here are presenting what I would consider a false view of God. This is not what God is like. The king states that God has burning anger, right? Wants to see Nineveh destroyed. And frankly, that's what lots of people, that's the view that lots of people have about God. But Jonah chapter 4 is going to present something entirely different. Jesus himself, when he came along and said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus presents something entirely different. Okay, so just, we will get to this in Jonah chapter 4, I promise. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it now. Um, but uh, it, it does. It is crazy here that Jonah. He knows what God is like. It appears that he knows what God is like from the very beginning of the story. But he's done his best to not teach the Ninevites anything about him. So we'll look about all that more when God and Jonah have their little uh, conversation there in Jonah chapter four. Uh, so, so, so that's uh, again. Just remember, Jonah. One of the main questions is, what is God like? Okay, and we get uh, a better answer in Jonah chapter four. The king's understanding of God here, though, is wrong. Okay, So if that is your understanding of God, listen, you need to change it. And we'll see what you should change it to as we get into Jonah chapter 4. But if you want uh, to know for sure, just look at Jesus. All right, what about repentance, though? It's another key question in the story of Jonah. Repentance. What is repentance? Who should repent? What does repentance do? All right. Once again, if you are going to ask the average person to define repentance, you're going to get something similar to what the king says in verse 8. Uh, and uh, similar to what we see in verse 9 here, um, and we'll see something a little bit different, more challenging next week in verse 10. Um, but but the words uh, of the king here say they sort of raise this challenging idea about repentance. He mentions uh, repentance twice, here in verse 9 anyway, and both times in connection with God. So do you think it's possible for God to repent? Right? Well... We tend to think that repentance is, you know, being sorry for your sin and turning from sin to, to, to obey God instead, right? So if, if, if that's what repentance is, then obviously, no, God cannot repent, all right? Yet uh, the, the king, though, thinks that God can, that he will uh, repent and be sorry, to repent of his burning anger. So again, is the king correct in this? Now, he's incorrect about God's burning anger, but uh, is he correct that God can repent, that, that God ever needs to repent? And sort of here, I would say that the answer is yes and no, and we'll get a better answer next week when we look at verse 10. But what you need to understand for now is that in the Hebrew, there are two words for repentance. One is the word uh, shuv, and the other is nacham. S-H-U-V, sort of a soft B in a sense, and then nakam, N-A-C-H-A-M. The first, uh, shuv, is uh, typically what we think of as repentance. The word is used, it's a very common word in the Hebrew Bible, it's used over 1,000 times. Basically, what it pictures is that a person is traveling one way on a journey in a certain direction, and they do a 180-degree turn, and now they're walking the other way. All right? So shuv means to turn around. That's all it means. And therefore, the word itself, by itself, doesn't necessarily have sin in view at all. Shuv does not mean 
turning from sin. It just means turning, to turn, okay? And so any type of turn or returning can be in view. You can return from a journey. You can go on a journey and then you can return, okay? Genesis 22 uses, uh, 22.5 uses the word that way. Um, you can return from exile. So they use that way all over in the Old Testament. They got carted off into Babylon and uh, now they returned to Israel, to Jerusalem. So the word shuv is used there. Uh, sometimes God himself turns or returns. Genesis 18.14, for example. Okay, so ultimately what I'm trying to say is context determines what kind of turning is in view. All right? Just means turn, to turn. Nevertheless, okay, having said all of that, it is true, and I do want to say, the vast majority, remember I said it's used over a thousand times, the vast majority of those times, the word is used in context with sin. All right? So, um... It's most often used in connection with God calling humans to turn away from their sin and follow him in obedience instead. Okay, so that's shuv. But again, I just want you to know, even though it's used the majority of times in reference to sin, it doesn't mean that it's used that way all the time. Okay? That's one word. Now, the other word is nakam. Uh, nakam. Sort of get that guttural or whatever in there. And uh, it is more of the emotional side of repentance. It can be understood as sorrow. All right, grief, regret, something like that. And uh, in fact, one of those might be better ways of translating the word than repent. And uh, it, it can be used in reference to how someone tries to comfort somebody else. All right. And by the way, the majority of the times the word nacham is used in the Bible, it's used in reference to God's activity, not man's. So uh, that's interesting. And uh, we will look at 3.10 next time when it says that God repents, and we will talk about which word is used there. wonder if you can guess right now. Uh, we'll talk about that. Anyway, by themselves, though, neither shuv nor nacham, by themselves, has anything to do with sin. And that's the important point I want to get across to you. Context determines what kind of turning is in view. Okay? Why a person is regretting. Why a person is relenting. Why a person is grieving or sorry. Okay, a person can uh, you know change their mind about where they're headed, what they're doing, uh, how they think about certain people, and all of those would be good uses, good contexts that influence the meaning of the word shuv, repent. Okay, even though they really have nothing whatsoever to do with sinful behavior or actions. All right, so uh, only context can determine what kind of turning is in view. All right, and uh, that's why the Bible. Are you ready? can occasionally describe God as repenting from some action or activity. It might refer to him returning, or it might refer to him uh, changing his mind about something in some way. We'll talk about that next week a little bit. Uh, Or even uh, being sorry or grieving, okay? Uh, Again, we'll talk about all that. So anyway, the king of Nineveh hopes that God will repent, all right? That he will be both sorry. Both words are used here, by the way. He will be both sorry and feel grief, that he will turn and he will feel sorry for the destruction that he's about to uh, send upon Nineveh, all right? And um, so that he won't destroy the city. Now, how does God respond? Does God respond, um, you know, to the people of uh, Nineveh? They're repenting. Does God repent? Well, Jonah 3.10 is going to provide the answer, and uh, that's what we're going to look at next time. Now, uh, before we close out, I just want to briefly sort of reiterate, summarize what I said in last week's episode about repentance. And it is important for you to understand this. 
Uh, repentance is for all people. Now, when I'm talking about repentance now, I'm talking about repentance from sin. Okay, repentance from sin, turning from sin, is important for all people, Christians and non-Christians alike. Okay? Um, and in, in the Bible, God calls all human beings to repent. Okay, but we need to understand why. Uh, we, we, we need to understand uh, what the consequences of repentance are. Some people say that in order to receive eternal life, you need to believe and fill in the blank. Sometimes it's a believe and be baptized, or believe and submit to the Lordship of Jesus, or believe, and one common popular one is believe and repent, or often it's, it's stated repent and believe, okay, in order to receive eternal life. Um, but let me tell you this, something. The Bible nowhere says this that you receive eternal life by repenting and believing. Okay? You receive eternal life through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And I defend this entire idea in my course, The Gospel According to Scripture, and also in, in my ongoing course, The Gospel Dictionary. Um, so if you, you, you want to learn more about that, take those courses. Uh, so eternal life is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. What's the point of repentance then? Well, again, repentance is for all people. Uh, if a non God calls non-Christians to repent, why? Well, if they repent, it's going to make their life better. God provided the rules and guidelines for how this life is to be lived, so he knows best. And when people don't live according to that, God says, look, turn from your wicked ways and follow me, do what I said, because if you do that, life is going to be better for you. Now, is he saying, if you turn from your sin, I'm going to give you eternal life? No, it's not what he's saying. His life is going to be better for you. That's just common sense. Okay, now... When people repent that way, the hope is they're like, man, the Bible is right. I wonder what else it says. Man, God really knows what he's talking about. Surprise, surprise. I wonder what else he says. And maybe, hopefully, they will come to see the offer of eternal life through faith in Jesus and come to believe that and therefore receive eternal life. But maybe they won't. Okay? And that's just one of the natures of free will and humanity and all of that. Okay? But again, the point is, you see, repentance can lead a person to believe in Jesus for eternal life, but they're not the same thing. Similarly, once a person believes in Jesus for eternal life, that doesn't mean they don't need to repent. We do. I need to repent all the time. You need to repent all the time. Whenever you have habits or patterns of sin in your life, God calls you to repent. Oh, but I already have eternal life. Yeah, so? <laughs> okay? God also wants you to get rid of sin in your life. And the way we get rid of sin in our lives is through repentance. Repentance is the first step in getting in turning away from sin. We got to turn away from it. We're going in one direction in obedience, I'm sorry, disobedience from God, not walking according to his ways. God says repent. So we turn around and now we head the other direction. We turn 180 degrees, we go the opposite direction. Okay? So anyway, repentance is for all people, just like I've said. It's for unbelievers and believers alike. And it's helpful for all of us. It's a benefit to all of us so that we live the way God wants us to live this life, so that we can have a better life here on earth. I hope all of that made sense about repentance. Look, sin is damaging and destructive. And uh, that's why God calls people to repent. And uh, those who do so, they're going to experience, generally experience, not a hard and fast rule, because this world is really hard sometimes, but those who do repent generally will experience a better life than those who do not. And that's what repentance is and, and why God calls all of us to repent. Now, again, if you want to learn more about this, please, I invite you, take my course, The Gospel Dictionary. I haven't taught the lesson yet on repentance, but I will. 
Okay, and what I just gave you is sort of a foretaste, a preview, an appetizer for what we will teach in that lesson there. We'll look at lots of other passages, including, yes, I know, there's a verse, I think it's in Mark, where it talks about repent and believe the gospel. We'll talk about that for sure, okay? Anyway, uh, learn more about all this, the course, and uh, my online discipleship group by visiting redeeminggod.com slash join. Okay, that's redeeminggod.com slash join. Hey, and uh, by the way, uh, the day this releases, uh, what is it, like September 21st or 22nd, something like that. I don't even know. I'm recording this a couple weeks in advance. I am going to be at the Renew Conference with Greg Boyd in uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. If you happen to live in that area and you want to come over and say hi, I'll be over at their church. So uh, come on by and uh, we'll hang out, go get a cup of coffee or something and uh, chat. I'd love to meet you. So that's uh, September 22nd, 23rd, 24th of 2017. Okay, so uh, next time we're going to look at Jonah 3.10 where we see God's response to the people of Nineveh and uh, the king hoped that God would repent. We're going to find out if he does. Does God repent? Does he need to repent? That's what we'll look at next time. So make sure you listen to that study as well, Jonah 3.10. Till then, keep following Jesus wherever it is he leads. Which might be to repentance, by the way. <laughs>